0: This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at altizen.com, Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Sekan Toto, CEO of Kantan Games Japan, on the state of Nintendo in 2017. We discuss Nintendo's progress in mobile gaming space, the surprising success of Nintendo Switch, and the recent stagnation of smartphone gaming companies in Japan. Hi
1: Sakan. Hi Bernard, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, and you're based in Japan, right? That's correct. And we haven't spoken for a while on Nintendo.
1: Yeah, been a couple of months, I would say.
0: And here I have Toto, CEO of Kantan Games Japan and probably one of the most well-known gurus when it comes to gaming in Japan. Since our last conversation, what have you been up to?
1: You know, I've done several projects for clients in finance, also several bigger projects for some bigger clients in the gaming space. So it's been a couple of busy months for me and since last time we spoke.
0: So the major topic of today is Nintendo in 2017 because there's been a lot of things happening with nintendo i could not keep count and i keep seeing your tweets about all the surprises that they have so i'm going to start off first by asking you about one of the biggest video game shows in the west which is e3 that's happening next week in los angeles so what are you going to expect from nintendo then
1: yes yeah, so nintendo has already said that you know there's going to be like several unveilings etc cetera, etc cetera, with regards to the products what they said now is that you know they are mostly focusing on products that are going to come out in 2017. So this has been policy for Nintendo for quite some time now to not talk about games or other products that are too far away in the future, you know, to focus on games and products that are basically around the corner time wise. So they want, for example, you know, they want to show games and make them playable at the E3 at, you know, at places or like at events like E3 instead of teasing projects that are currently in their pipeline. So they are preparing some announcements mostly with regards to the Switch, their new console.
0: I want to zoom back to Nintendo. What has been the latest updates with Nintendo's market capitalization and share price? And what are the factors that are driving their growth at the moment?
1: Uh, Yes. So, I mean, as we speak now, the market capitalization of uh, Nintendo is over 40 billion US dollars. It's a pretty healthy number. I think they are only one or two billion dollars away from Activision Blizzard which is the biggest pure video game maker, you know, they're also doing mobile games, but, you know, pure game maker in, in the West, maybe in two weeks, if, you know, the stock price of Nintendo keeps rising, because this was, has been the case since last time we spoke for the last couple of months, if Nintendo stock price keeps rising like that, I think they're, they're going to overtake, you know, Activision Blizzard very soon. Actually, it is going to be, uh, if it, if, you know, if it goes, goes on like this, it's only a matter of uh, days until Nintendo is uh, the biggest uh, game company uh, on the planet. You know, if you, if you ignore Tencent, you know all these these other companies that are doing uh, more than video games.
0: I would say that it actually fits the prediction you made two years ago when we first talked about Nintendo. And as we cover the topics about this company, it seems that your bullish prediction has actually got it right. So, I want to zoom into. How has Nintendo progressed with their mobile gaming initiatives?
1: So on the mobile game game side, I think that, you know, things have been relatively slow so far. They have uh, several applications out right now. So uh, Super Mario Run is out now. You know, th- that game came out in December 2016. Uh, it had the absolutely wrong business model. So Nintendo tried to in- establish a so-called free-to-start, I would call it a demo uh, type of business model, where they give consumers a certain percentage of the content for free and then start charging them inside the game for the rest of the content, for a fixed sum. This kind of business model has been a trial of a business model, has been a total disaster for Nintendo. Consumers hated it, the investors hated it, the public hated it, got negative press as well. That has not worked well for Nintendo at at all. And then in February, I would say that, you know, when you talk about Nintendo on mobile, I would say that actual uh, first free-to-play game from Nintendo came out in February 2017, several months ago, and that game is called Fire Emblem Heroes. And because it's free to play, because it's on mobile, because it uses one of Nintendo's bigger IPs, I would say it's almost a revolution for Nintendo. That game is basically, I would say, a cut in Nintendo's history, that Nintendo makes this kind of experience available for free on devices that they uh, don't own themselves.
0: Here lies the question then. They are also launching other mobile games this year. So do you foresee that they are actually getting better at the mobile gaming space? I think they're still testing one game at a time.
1: Yes, the times when I think this is something, that, you know, that many investors don't really understand. You know, the times when maybe even many people that are not focusing on mobile, you know, when it comes to the game industry, people in the mobile game industry understand this very well. You know, the times when uh, game studios could throw 10 games you know, at the market in a the, in the year, these times are over. The development costs are too high. The marketing costs are too high. The projects take a long, long time to get out of the door. So Nintendo has said publicly, we are going to focus on two to three games that we are releasing, uh, that we're stretching out over, over a time period of 12 months for the time being now. And I think that this is the right cadence. I think that two to three months is, uh, quote unquote, enough, even for a big company like Nintendo when it comes to mobile games. So the next game is going to be a game called Animal Crossing. As the name suggests, it focuses on animals and, you know, an environment that you create and then foster. You know, you visit your friends. It's a very social uh, kind of open-ended simulation, very cute character design etc uh, etc et so that's coming out probably in my in my guesses in the summer in the late summer of, of this year uh, after that big one that might come is rumored to be a, a zelda you know, on uh, mobile devices
0: sounds like nintendo is coming up with their own version of farmville but i want to talk about something else which is the nintendo switch because it has a lot of very different signals from the market so first of all i'm going to ask two questions can you briefly talk about what nintendo switch is how does it work and why it has been popular despite a lot of people have actually throw cold water over it and now realize that it is actually a blast.
1: Uh, yeah, one word maybe about uh, Animal Crossing. So it's actually the other way around. So if anything, then Farmville was inspired by Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing is the much, much older game. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Animal Crossing is like, I think the first game came out over 15 years ago or something like that. And I think that Zynga took a page from that game. And, you know, they also copied other games for, that, uh, for Farmville. But Animal Crossing is actually a very old uh, franchise. But about your question on the Switch, you know, the Switch is basically uh, – nintendo's uh, new uh, console what, what that means is that it basically established a new console generation for nintendo it succeeds uh, the wii that came out in 2006 and then the wii u came i think in two, uh, came out in 2012 and now in uh, march 2017 nintendo pushed the switch out of the door and it's a basically the big idea of the switch is to be a hybrid between a portable console and the tv console so the way it works is that uh, you as a user can use the device on the go. It's like a typical portable uh, gaming machine. Uh, and it has detachable controls that you can take the switch, take the actual unit with the screen uh, and uh, put it on the table in the so-called tabletop mode. And then you can sw- pull out the controllers, give one controller to your friend, and then you can too- you two can play games while you are uh, waiting uh, for uh, the flight, for example, if you find- can find a table uh, in an airport, for example. So that's a tabletop mode. There's a, Once again, there's a portable mode or oh, what Nintendo also de- made possible is that you can play the games that, that you have been playing in one of, the, one of the two modes at home as well. There's a device that's called TV dock. So you put the portable device in the TV dock and then immediate, almost immediately the game that you just been playing in the bus, for example, or at the dinner table, you can immediately start playing that game on the television. So that's basically the big pitch uh, of, of by Nintendo for the Switch that it enables gaming everywhere.
0: Why did so many people criticize the product before it came out and now realize that the product is popular?
1: Yes, so I was one of them, (laughs) to be honest. So I was asking myself, like, who's going to buy this thing, right? I mean, who's the target for uh, Nintendo? Are they targeting hardcore users? Are they targeting casual users? Uh, you know, aren't the casual users all on mobile, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the device has proven to be a hit in, in Japan, in the West, basically everywhere where Nintendo has, has pushed it out so far. It's not out in places like China, for example. I think that it just resonates with the user base. I think that Nintendo, at, at this point in time, the device is out for about four months now. At, at this point in time, it seems to be that Nintendo seems to have identified the scratch among the gamer community that needed to be uh, addressed. Uh, by a game company. It's a very toy-like device. If you look, I think that if you look at the concept, if you look at the hardware, you can see that Nintendo has a history as a DNA as a toy maker. It appears to be the way that, that Nintendo has seen something that the market has been going after. They found something that the, the, the other big manufacturers in, in, in the console space haven't figured out. I think that Nintendo has shown a, a lot of innovative uh, power with the, with the Switch.
0: Seems like the way Nintendo Switch works is also similar to how they have rolled out Wii in the past and it seems that the, uh, Nintendo likes to focus on its core users of its own platform. One thing, that I, I know that the Nintendo Switch has a very unique launch strategy. Can you tell us something about that?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so what they did, so what usually you know console makers are doing is that they are, every uh, console generation starts, a new system gets out of the door. What they're doing is they're releasing uh, multiple games at the same time. I think the Wii U, as I mentioned, the previous console generation, 2012, was launched with 31 games or something like that for the Switch. Nintendo, I think this was a brilliant move by them, and it was unproven. You know, this is something new that Nintendo you know, has tried. Nintendo has been focusing on cadence instead of quantity. So when the system launched on March 3 worldwide, there's just been a, literally just been a handful of games available for the system at launch at on that day. And what Nintendo has been trying to do instead is they've been trying to stretch out the big hits or presumed hits over the calendar year. Once every six weeks, every four to eight weeks, a big new Nintendo game is coming out now until Super Mario Odyssey, a new open world Mario, comes out for the holiday season. So, so far, this strategy has been working very, very well for Nintendo because it keeps the buzz around the Switch going. So they keep feeding the Switch owner or user base and they also keep buzz around the console going. A very, very good strategy i think
0: how do you expect the switch lifetime sales to pan out then
1: i think that estimates are all over the place so nintendo itself, um, you know the president kimishima has been saying that you know he expected these lifetime sales to get to wii levels not the wii u level but the wii level and the, the wii over its lifetime sold 101 million times
0: wow that's a lot of devices so i would like to ask this question then how does switch compare to with sony's ps4 and microsoft's Xbox 1 in this generation of video games as uh,
1: yes Xbox 1 uh, has been not as successful as Microsoft has hoped because they've been in this console generation I think you can really use this word almost destroyed uh, by Sony so Sony has sold so far it's it's June 2017 now you know Sony has so far has sold around 60 million uh, PlayStation 4s and Microsoft has sold 30 million, just about 30 million Xbox Ones. And then, you know, Nintendo's basically now the new contender. What the, the big difference is, I think that you can put uh, put the Switch in one basket. That's the kind of like, uh, you know, weird, new kind of innovative, typical Nintendo style of uh, console that it lives its in, in its own unique world. And I think that you can put the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 in, in, in a second basket. But essentially, you know, if you look at two systems, they're very, very similar to each other. I'm talking about Xbox One and PlayStation 4 now, backwise, wise you know, you know, uh, you can almost say uh, that they look uh, similar. It's a typical, like it's a, t- a typical super high-spec video game systems that are appealing to hardcore console users. Whereas the Switch is, once again, it's a completely different approach to video gaming. I think that the Nintendo has a has a kind of unique position in this uh, console war.
0: What are the key things that are helping Nintendo to rise in 2017? Particularly, I want to zoom into gaming content. For example, I, we have talked a little bit about Super Mario Run. There is an upcoming Zelda game, and of course. The other game that you've just mentioned, that is actually the progenitor for Farmville. Are there any other interesting gaming content that will actually push them even further?
1: Yes. So at this point in time, as we talk right now, there's a boxing game around the corner, uh, which is called Arms. So that's a big Nintendo made first party release, a new IP. That Nintendo brings to the market boxing game. It's a multiplayer experience. You, you can play uh, against other people, and it seems also to be the case that Nintendo tries to market that game as an esports title. This area is something that Nintendo has expressed interest in for a long, long time. Then there's, I think, the biggest uh, blockbuster coming, and uh, that blockbuster is uh, called uh, Splatoon Two. So that's a first-person shooter that was introduced the first time on the Wii U, the previous console generation. It's a first-person shooter that uh, it's also original IP, com- uh, you know, with Nintendo's own uh, uh, characters etc etc completely from scratch built from scratch by Nintendo and I think that Splatoon has been Splatoon 2 is going to be uh, you know another big seller after Zelda which the console which the console launched with and with Mario Kart you know that came out in April I think that arms is okay but I think that Splatoon 2 in the summer will drive sales uh, one more time And then there are several other games announced for the Switch in the fall. For example, Monster Hunter, which is a role-playing game from another company called uh, Capcom. So that's a third-party game that I think is going to be especially big in Japan, that's going to drive sales even further for the console. And then, you know, the big one is uh, Super Mario Odyssey. And that's the first time where Nintendo puts Mario in an open world instead of levels that he has to clear. So a lot of people are anticipating that game.
0: Since our last conversation on Pokemon Go and Nintendo, I think Nintendo has benefited from Pokemon go how about the pokemon company which also benefited from the AR game from Niantic Labs
1: so i mean pokemon go was you know by all means uh, i mean on all levels it was a huge success for nintendo and also the pokemon company so nintendo owns you know 32% voting rights of the pokemon company and of course but they are pocketing a certain amount of the profits as well from the pokemon company so pokemon go as we speak right now has over 750 million downloads. So they just updated the number of downloads yesterday. And I think that by the end of the year, you know, when you take in the holiday season, et cetera, et cetera, that game will probably zoom past a billion downloads. I, I personally have no doubts about that. This and you know the amazing thing is. This is without China. This is something that many people forget. The game is not out in China. I think that this is the amazing part about this game. And, you know, for the Pokemon company itself, in the last fiscal year, they have announced their net profit for that time frame has been $144 US million. That's a very, very big number. That's something that, you know, a lot of the even the biggest video game companies here in Japan or the biggest mobile companies in Japan do not achieve. And that's mainly thanks to the big global success of Pokemon Go. You know, the, the Pokemon company was able to grow their net profit 26 times when compared to the previous fiscal. So, Pokemon Go was really a big success for the Pokemon company.
0: How is the Pokemon Go being received now by the Japanese audience after it's being opened up?
1: Yes, I think that just like in, in many, many, uh, you know, regions of the world, uh, of course, the big hype is over. You know, the big hype where, you know, there have been stampedes of people going after a certain Pokemon. If you type in stampede Pokemon in, in YouTube, you will see many, many incredible incredible videos from all around the world, and it's not just Asia, also America, that kind of big PR-worthy hype is over, but I think that what many people don't understand about Pokemon Go is that the user base or the number of downloads, as I mentioned earlier, is so high that it doesn't matter even if 90% of the active user base is breaking away from the initial days this happens in mobile games all the time so you can argue that you know because of you know pokemon's novelty factor the number of inactive players is higher than for other mobile games but you know mobile games it's completely normal you know that you lose a vast, vast majority of your active user base over time. This is why you have to keep operating the game, keep marketing the game, you know, to replace the the churned out users constantly. I think that there's still a healthy number of users actually playing the game and also paying for it. And here in Japan, I would say that Pokemon or the Pokemon company has identified J- Japan as a hotspot for their marketing and their sponsorship activities. Because as you know, Pokemon Go monetizes not only via in-app purchases, but also via sponsorships inside the game. The, the first big sponsorship for the game as a whole was actually in Japan. So they signed McDonald's Japan to sponsor some locations inside the game. And they also did that with Yahoo Japan, SoftBank Japan. There's a you know movie theater chain here that did the same thing. I think they keep doing these deals inside the game and specifically with a Japanese focus.
0: Coming back to Nintendo, are you going to be bullish or bearish about their prospects this year?
1: Uh, yeah, so I think that for Nintendo, if they don't make a major mistake, you know, going forward. I'm more bullish than ever, I would say, because I talk to a lot of investors and I talk to the public, you know, I do your podcast, which is, of course, also like a public outlet. I think that, you know, with each month passing by and, you know, especially seeing how well the Switch has been performing, surprisingly to me, at least, uh, I can sleep better in the evening. You know, when I, when I talk about Nintendo and have a, have a bullish stance for the remainder of this year, I'm fairly optimistic that Tendo will do very, very well. And I think that, you know, their stock price also will continue to rise.
0: So I'm good to take out Nintendo now and go into Japan's smartphone gaming market. So you wrote a very interesting post in your company's blog about the Japanese smartphone gaming market is suddenly getting stagnated why is that happening and what are the drivers and how do you think they can start growing again
1: yes so if there's one big bullet point that that I think is interesting or important to say about Japanese smartphone gaming is that Japanese smartphone gaming basically disrupted console gaming usually I'm very very you know uh, cautious when I use uh, you know these uh, buzzwords or like big words like uh, like disruption for example but I think that you can really say this in the case of the smartphone revolution that came over Japan what I'm trying to say is that that smartphone Gaming basically ate console gaming's lunch in Japan when it comes to revenues. If you look at the smartphone game market right now in Japan, it's round about eight and a half, nine billion US dollars. You know, it fluctuates with the currency conversion, but round about that number. And you know, according to pretty much everybody that's looking at the space, that's you know uh, uh, sharing data with people, that market is going to be flat over the next one to two years. And I think that the simple reason is that, uh, once again, you know, smartphone games have not entirely, but almost consumed uh, the console game space here in Japan. So that's point one. And the second point is that the market is just extremely mature in Japan. So a lot of people are not seeing a lot of room for further growth for the market overall because the mobile game industry in Japan is the oldest and the most mature at the moment.
0: How about the other mobile gaming giants faring so far then? For example, DNA, GRI?
1: I think that you know DNA and GREE were basically and this is something I'm glad that you asked because I I think that you know these two companies uh, they get criticized a lot at the moment you know because they are not as big as they used to be but you have to give them credit for one major accomplishment these two companies back 10 years ago they basically established free to play mobile social gaming as we know nowadays in Japan quietly So they established, for example, the free-to-play concept on mobile. Today, everybody's taking it as a given, but nobody really knows or everybody has forgotten that 10 years ago, these two companies have... Come up with that business model on mobile devices in feature phone times. They've understood that social features, embedding these games in a networking environment, makes the game stickier. You know, drives up retention, drives down marketing and user acquisition costs. Things like this. So DNA and Gree are basically the old dogs in Japan's smartphone gaming market. I think that you know, if you really zoom out and if you look at the edit from the helicopter level, I think that DNA has done much much better than Gree over the last couple of years. But uh, you know, once again, it's now June 2017. So in the last couple of weeks, GRI had one, two titles that are doing extremely well by Gree standards. These two companies have in common is that they had to transform themselves from platform providers in the feature phone times to mainly content providers in the smartphone times. So they're competing with basically with just about everybody else. DNA had some successes. DNA has the Nintendo Alliance going on. So they're cooperating with Nintendo in, in Nintendo's uh, smartphone activities. So that's still going on. Uh, Gree has, once again, it's a pure content provider, well, almost, not, or not entirely, but almost a pure content provider. So they had one or two hits. So I would say its uh, they're doing okay. Both uh, companies are, are doing okay. That big uh, black cloud on the smartphone gaming front for, for many companies is Nintendo at the moment. Because Nintendo has left that uh, smartphone game market in Japan so far almost untouched. and I think that you know once Nintendo really starts taking smartphone games seriously, that market might change substantially. They also might be even able able if they at the, uh, especially when they can launch the one or the other mega hit, if they can do it, they can I think they can even extend the market for smartphone games. but uh, that's still a big question mark.
0: This is interesting because Nintendo so far have not really taken control of the market. It's actually going through games like Pokemon Go where they only are investors to a certain game or with their alliance with DNA as well.
1: Uh, you're correct. I think that for Pokemon Go, I would say what you said is much more accurate uh, than for the other games. Of course, you know they have to do revenue share with DNA. This is all public information. But I think that DNA for revenue share, uh, the, the revenue that DNA gets, I wouldn't say it's probably minuscule. So nobody knows. It's undisclosed. Uh, but I think that it doesn't hurt Nintendo that much. I think that it's okay. A lot of uh, big game companies are only publishing the games, uh, and they let other higher companies actually develop the games, and then they just publish them. They don't talk publicly about it. But you know that's the reality in the in the mobile game space that we see in Japan I think that Nintendo's what they take away from Fire Emblem Heroes, for example, their first free-to-play game, as I mentioned, is a uh, substantial. So I think that, you know, uh, they're actually controlling what happens inside the game to a major extent.
0: As of always, Sirkan, you're always welcome to come to talk to, uh, about the Japan's gaming scene because there's so much to unpack and so much to know about. So help my audience. How do my audience find you? Uh,
1: yes. So I think that, you know, I'm mostly active on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is uh, Serkan Toto. So it's my first name and my last name, uh, you know, in one word. You, know, you can also add me on LinkedIn for example, or you can, you can visit my site, which is seikan You know, just email me when you when you want to know something at seikan at uh, gamescojp this is, my, uh, this is my company email.
0: And you can find me at bleongcw or Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A N A L Y S E, And of course, we have a newsletter that's actually ongoing sharing insights about the region. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast and TuneIn. And of course, Google Play in the US market. So tweet to me, give us a five-star rating in iTunes store. And of course, drop me
1: your feedback. Once again, Sirkan, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Bernard.